Welcome to the Young Crones Cafe, where you can get a magic brew full of all sorts of information, both witchy and practical. Grab a cup of coffee and join us. I'm Elizabeth, a wordsmith. And I'm Dave, a modern-day sage. We are going to talk about various witchcraft and life topics from a slightly more mature perspective, at least most of the time. Thanks for joining us. Today's metaphysical kernel of thought is morals and ethics. The path of witchcraft allows you to choose what you want to believe, how you want to practice, and what your personal morals and ethics are. There is no holy book, no secret documents that tell you what to believe and how to behave. There are no punishments handed down from a religious figure or community if you don't follow your own moral codes. Morals can be defined as a person's behaviors or beliefs concerning what is and isn't acceptable for them to do. Ethics can be defined as the moral principles that govern your behavior or how you conduct yourself. In other words, ethics are the way you think you should behave and morals are your behavior based on your ethical principles. All of us have moral behaviors and beliefs in our lives. Some we learned as young children and have followed them since that time. Others we have learned as we grew and interacted with society. These morals are often a group consensus of some sort, especially if you are a member of a particular group within a society, or they may be more universal, i.e. society-wide, such as a belief that it is wrong to murder someone. We behave in ethical ways all the time. If our ethics contain the belief that stealing is wrong, then we don't steal. The same holds with murder. However, what would you do if someone was trying to kill someone you loved deeply, such as a child? Would you feel justified in killing or trying to kill such an individual? This might be an exception to the morals that you have, and it might cause a great deal of internal conflict, both during the event and long afterwards. This example is known as situational ethics. Very often, we end up in situations where we are not sure what is the ethical way to behave, or there may be times when we begin to question if the morals we have always held to be our personal beliefs are still valid. The point is that as part of your spiritual journey, you may be called upon to examine your moral beliefs because they may be challenged in some incredibly unique ways. Magic is real. It is possible to change and improve yourself through its use into a more spiritual, balanced person. That statement alone may cause you to start asking all sorts of questions. How many of us held a belief in magic when we were young and were told it wasn't real until we believed it and acted accordingly, becoming embedded in rational thought and logical behaviors? If you are doing the work needed to fashion a life that is full of not only the awareness of magic, but also the ability to create magic for positive change, it can generate a need for constant reassessment of your personal morals and ethics. During the low mass season, we go through our times of contemplation where each of us on the path takes the time to re-examine our personal beliefs to determine what changes have occurred over the previous year and check that our personal morals and ethics continue to match. Hello, Dave. Today we get to talk about morals and ethics, which is a sticky subject, probably akin to religion and politics for some people. Well, and hello, Elizabeth. It's wonderful to see you. Um, it's probably morals and ethics aren't probably the first words that 
pop to mind when people think about witches either. Or politicians. Let's be honest. <laughs> or politicians. Wait, no. No, I don't I don't want to support putting witches and politicians in the same sentence. It just makes me feel dirty. Okay, well we'll move on. Which, <laughs> people often get the idea that your morals, which is kind of your behavior, is based on your ethics, and your ethics are what you think is right and wrong, and it expresses itself through your moral behaviors, for want of a better word. If you come from a monotheistic religion, somebody teaches you, this is, you don't steal, there's the Ten Commandments thing that I can never remember all ten, but I know don't murder isn't there, don't covet your neighbor's wife, don't steal, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you kind of learn those as a kid, hopefully. And a lot of them are how we live in polite society at the same time when you think about it. Sure. So, so these, what, what you're describing as ethics are those societal rules that we learn during the process of growing up in a Western culture or family or what have you. And hopefully if you're a witch now, you're thinking about what your own are because you're not using a holy book or a religious figure telling you what they are. You have kind of graduated to thinking it out for yourself because the practice of magic kind of expands you to look beyond just the normal everyday stuff. Sure, sure, absolutely. Um, from my, or at least the point of view that, that in my practices, to me, magic and witchcraft and prayer are all interchangeable words. So for me to be filled with the spirit is the same thing for me as being full of universal energy and creative energy like I feel when I'm walking my meditation spiral. Mm -hmm. So so tying it back to, back to ethics, those ethics you're saying are the ones that society is has taught me during the time that I've been growing. Well, sometimes yes and sometimes no, because it depends on how you were raised. I mean, you can have been taught amazingly complex ethics or very simple ethics, or somewhere in between, or none at all. It depends on where and how you were raised. And very often, as we grow up, we tend to, for want of a better word, discard some of our parents or those religious teachings as we go along those particular ethics. For instance, I don't smoke marijuana anymore. <laughs> okay, I don't. <laughs> There's a lot of people who do, but if you were raised in the generation we were raised up in, that stuff was like the kiss of death. When you think about what your parents tried to teach you about using illegal substances, supposedly, a lot of well, it's like that. Parents, government, marketing, advertising, yeah. Well, sure. yeah. But you see where I'm going with that. And as an adult now, you can make your own choices regarding that stuff. So your ethics become more, not, I don't want to use the word malleable, but personal choice more than anything else. So I guess where I'm confused then is help me see the, the moral side of the ethical discussion that you're having, if that makes sense. Sure. If you have an ethics, all right, your ethics are you don't steal. 
Okay. Your morals are the behaviors that are the result of your ethical principles. So if you're in Walmart, you're not going to walk out the door with the, with the 65 inch TV without paying for it. Okay. To put it that bluntly and that simply, if you as a witch are committed to doing no harm in magic, and that's one of your ethics, you're not going to perform magic that interferes with someone else's free will. So it is immoral for me to do an act in behavior that I believe ethically to not be appropriate. Exactly. If I believe it to be, and that there's actually magic built into that. That's why I'm kind of yeah. chewing on this sentence. I can see the steam rising as you're thinking. <laughs> yeah, because saying it the way that you said it, and I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm not able to, to recreate it again. But the fact that if something that I believe is unethical, it's that belief, that belief energy that then translates to when I then go and knowingly do that, I feel immoral. And that feeling of being dirty or being immoral or what have you is actually a result or the response of my own magic. Yes, and your own ethics at the same time. <laughs> when you think about it, yes, it is. Well, because I'm putting myself in this weird, weird edge case, but, you know, um, um, I pray for people listening that you never hear those three words, but there are people every day that hear them and they are, Daddy, I'm hungry. So I'm thinking about this person who's who's trying to get something for their children to eat. Mm -hmm. And for that moment, their ethical situation creates such or their their moral compulsion and moral behavior is so innate that it creates a conflict. And so they almost have to suspend their ethics by believing that this is the correct thing to do or the moral thing to do. So I guess there is like a built-in override there um, based on the situation. There you go. As we say in our metaphysical cardinal effect, that's what I mean. We mean by situational ethics. We kind of took it to the extreme example. If somebody is trying to kill somebody that you love and you ethically do not believe in killing somebody, and somebody attacks your child, for example, which was your example, Dan, this person is somebody trying to kill your child. You're going to all, all bets are off at that point. But situational ethics forces you to think about when there will be exceptions or to sure. or to live through exceptions and recognize that sometimes situations put us in untenable positions, for want of a better word, where are more well, well, conflicts like that. Yeah, I can recognize some of that just simply being a veteran and understanding that there were situations where the, the situation and my orders required that I operate in a different set of ethics for a period of time <laughs> so that it would in some way help take some of that moral debt from me 
to the command structure. And I understand that gesture of, you know, you were just doing what someone else karmically asked for or whatever. But at the same time, this also explains to me that when when folks come back from a situation like that, whether it be a veteran or somebody who experiences something traumatic in their life, mm-hmm. is once you realize that there are places outside what you believe to be ethical and you might have to go there, it is traumatic. And that post-traumatic stress disorder is exactly what it says it is. It's, I've been pushed someplace where I didn't think I would ever be pushed. And so now I don't believe where I can't be pushed anymore. Mm-hmm. If that makes kind of sense. So. It does, actually. And I think that's part of when we start working with magic and we discover that it's possible to manifest all sorts of change in our lives and our immediate piece of the universe, for want of a better word, that it opens us up to all sorts of starting to question some of our ethics. Because how many of us thought magic was real when we were six and got told, no, it isn't. It really is. Yeah, that's right. You need to sit down and go to school and listen to the teacher and learn that two plus two is four and all of that stuff. And now all of a sudden as adults and we're witches and magic is real and it works and it is. And now my ethics are all over the place. What I believed to be right and wrong is suddenly thrust completely sideways in a positive sense. It's so, interesting that that's, that's been your experience because mine has always been a, at some point, merging. I, I haven't lost any of the sanctity or the fervor for what I believed when I was an 11-year-old boy was Jesus. I've been able to keep those kernels of that that really were the parts that were satisfying my soul. The other parts have all dropped away, and I filled them in with new and different practices. Mm -hmm. But I never really have had to make a hard change because for me, it was blending the reality of magic with science and physics and all of the intellectual stuff and 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 once i become able to reckon that that's that's why i was so interested in the discussion on morals and ethics because they're kind of two sides of the same coin yes they 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 one does not function well without the other if that makes sense when you think of it in that way it sure does, yep. Yeah. And and I, I listened to you talking about, okay, now my background is very different. I was not raised particularly religious. And my dad was a hardcore scientist. So yeah, there there was a definite kind of disbelief in the magic that we have that we know is real now as witches. So it wasn't, I don't think that I lost that belief per se. It just got buried for a very long time. Sure. Somebody else's ethics in that sense. Well, yeah, you could very well have been a witch when you were a 10 year old girl and just sort of went dormant for a couple of decades. Oh, yeah, I think so. You know, in a lot of ways, I think we all have, whether we choose to practice as witches or believe as witches, we all have that innate magic within us. 
I think that's part of being human more than anything else is that we can affect change and some people will call it prayer, you know, and we ask something outside of us to change us or whether we use magic because we know we can change ourselves through the manifestation of things. I don't for me, for me, it's that point of contact when I, where I am able to be aware that the energy that I am currently providing is having a direct impact on the universe around me. Mm-hmm. And that that's why originally, you know, we were talking about morals and ethics. And to me, morals at the core are the things that my inner Dave knows are right and wrong, regardless of rules or whatever. Ethics to me is when the interface between Dave and the universe kicks in, because there are things that whether or not I believe in my heart of hearts are the moral thing to do or not, they're simply not ethical. So I kind of use that sort of a boundary, um, but it still works to do the same thing. And that's get that frustrated energy back to ground. Yeah, exactly. And I think part of it is too, one of the things you and I were talking about before we started recording, because we always read over the metaphysical kernel. <laughs> the warm-up. The warm-up, exactly, is you have gone through loaf mass now, where you had a chance to look at some of your basic beliefs and see how they've changed and grown, or I don't want to use the word supplanted, but become something different. Or certainly, you know, certainly. I, I was actually taking like a journaling type written uh, inventory of that during during loaf mass and looking at the things that had changed for me. And and because our beliefs hopefully change, because that means we're growing as witches and people, and then our basic morals and ethics, however we choose to express them, have to change. Because our innate beliefs in our spiritual practice and how we interact with the universe, as you said, or what we do with our magic, or how I want to nurture that inner spark of the divine. As it grows and changes, our morals and ethics need to keep growing. As witches, we get to pick and choose what our morals and ethics are going to be. And to me, that's another one of those freedoms of practicing witchcraft, is there isn't anyone Um, telling us what to, to decide about. I, I love that, and at the same time, have to introduce the balance of, for me, I feel the same way about voting. Mm-hmm. It's wonderful that we get to use magic. We have a responsibility to be mindful of the way that we use magic. Well, of course. Um, so, yeah, it comes with its own ethics, if that makes any sense. And I think those are probably codified in different ways for different tribes and different witches. But I think they're all, if you took an inventory of them, pretty commonly just good humanist views. Yeah, and I think so. And the big piece about there are people who say hexing and cursing is okay. And I think for some people and for certain situations, it may be the only way to handle an intolerable situation. One of those where we've been pushed to the brink. You also have to be prepared to take the hit from the universe. And I don't mean the rule of three, which is, you know, if you put positive things out, it's going to come back to you back positive three times over. I don't 
think that's necessarily it. I think anytime we work magic, we affect our sacred three, body, mind, and spirit. And if we're doing magic for growth and change, then it's going to affect those positively. Remember? I remember that. I remember that thought now. Okay, go. To take to take all of that back to the most simplest format because we were getting really deep there into the energy of how or the energy flow of magic. Uh -huh. The thing the thing that's important, just like the history of of technology and science. Oh yeah. Where we knew that we could use a tree limb to roll over a rock for 3,000 years before Archimedes could explain how a lever worked. Mm -hmm. So it's always the ability comes first and then the explanation. And I use that metaphor because that's how magic works for the people out there that think they're right on the edge of actually feeling like they're, they're really doing magic. You are really doing magic. Mm -hmm. Here's the thing. It's not important that you know how it works. It's only important that you know that it works. And with that comes the responsibility of be mindful of what it is that you're working. Exactly. I think that might, that might be my new T-shirt, and I could call it my morals because I really bet that's the way I believe. Be mindful of the energy that you are blasting out there at other people. Oh, please, because you know it affects other people. If you're in a crappy mood and you're blah, 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 blah with everybody. Oh, I have learned so much over the last couple of years about my Buddha field is about 40 feet wide and I can be impossible to be around. That's one of the things that, that you know, I talk about that I'm working on. But it's also really helped me see how much my energy is literally bludgeoning the universe around me some days. Well, it's not just <laughs> everybody. And I think the big piece, too, when you think about it, is one of my big personal caveats is I don't interfere with the free will of others. Okay. Yep. When I'm working magic, I keep the focus on me. What do I need to change within myself? <laughs> So that I am better able to, as you said, not blast 40 feet around me. As opposed well, to, I'm going to cast a spell where everybody around me is going to be fine with the fact that I'm being a bitch today. <laughs> you know, that, 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 just, that just doesn't fly. Well, yeah, if, if it does, I wasn't making the right incantation. And my, <laughs> some of my friends, dearest friends and coworkers have had to pay for it. But hey. Well, but you, know, but you get the point. We're right? all growing. But the idea is, like you said, magic is you have to be responsible because not only are you using your own energy, you are also working with the interacting and interfacing with the universe. Absolutely. Yep. Making ripples in everybody's energy. Yeah. And all those different pieces and they react very differently than we do. So ethics are what I know to be true. Morals are what I believe to be true for me, and ethics are also those rules that I use among others. Yeah, pretty much. And morals are not only what you – your morals are your actions based on what you believe to be right and wrong, for one of a better Beha Behaviors, yep, absolutely. Exactly. I mean, your ethics are how you figure out what your morals are.
what's right, what's wrong. It's what you think about all that stuff. That's your ethics. That's your ethical code. Gotcha. Does that help? Explain what Absolutely. I'm oh, good. I'm glad it helped. And that seems like a good start, point to stop this discussion before we go down a rabbit hole and never come back. <laughs> I, I wasn't I wasn't going to point at my empty coffee cup, but yeah, I'm due. Witch stones are a divination tool we created as part of our practice that deals with what we call concrete stones, specific types and times of energy, and conceptual stones, things and ideas about witchcraft, which can be read with either a seen or an unseen meaning. Recently, we have developed a set of oracle cards using this information. We would like to introduce you to one of these stones right now. In today's Witchstone Spotlight, we'll be looking at the stone card for treading the mill. Concept stone cards focus on craft rather than a specific physical energy. The treading the mill is the fourth of eight physical concept stones that relate to the energy of actions or results. It displays a pictograph of black arrows on its edge indicating a counterclockwise direction around central line by a gray and red border representing the hedge, the border between the worlds of the mundane and the magical. The border being split gray over red. This is a concept stone. The border being gray over red or water over fire tells us that this card represents a physical concept. Treading the mill is a practice associated with traditional witchcraft as a way to cast a circle or to raise energy. One treads the mill by walking the edges of sacred space often in a counterclockwise direction, to encourage an altered state of consciousness while dragging one foot, which is often called the lame step. The lame step itself is a reminder that you have one foot in reality and one in magical realms beyond the hedge at the same time. Progressing around in this manner can feel laborious or as if you are moving against a current. Raising energy involves gathering it together, so it may start out as receptive. However, the energy is then released out into the universe, so it becomes projective. Because of this, the energy is associated with both the light and the dark times of the year. The treading the mill stone card is associated with both the dark or new and full moon. The treading the mill represents creativity and inspiration when reflecting on the element of fire. Treading the mill represents flow of actions when reflecting on the element of water. The scene energy for the treading the mill card in a reading is working your path, progress, and in the flow. Working your path is about performing whatever labors or tasks we need to accomplish and may be a reminder that following a different path requires expending a significant energy. Progress may show up when we are working towards something and having doubts that we are getting anywhere, and this says that we are. And in the flow 
may mean that there are times when even though we are working at something as hard as we can, the work seems manageable and that we are up to completing our tasks. The unseen energy for the treading the mill card in a reading is working your path, interference, and road less traveled. Working your path may be a reminder that we are truly part of both worlds, the mundane and the magical. Interference may mean that things on the mundane may be keeping us from our practice and that we may need to make some extra effort to put some of the mundane aside and focus on the magical parts of our lives for a while. And the road less traveled may mean that we are on the right path and we don't have to have beliefs that are shared by a majority to set us apart from those who might not understand. Before we go, we would like to present you with a tip or trick or witchy hint. Just something to make your day go better because we live in a mixture of the magical and the mundane. Today's tip, trick, or witchy hint is a hint about using your power of intent for getting a good night's sleep. Winter solstice is rapidly approaching, and as that is the peak time of dark energy for the year, before we gradually and imperceptibly at first start moving into the light half of the year. Right now, I don't know about you, but my internal energy definitely does not match the external <coughs> hoopla that is going around where I live every year in December. The holidays are upon a lot of people. There's Hanukkah, there's Christmas, there's Kwanzaa, there's winter solstice or Yule, as people choose to call it. There's parties, both at work. Our kids or grandchildren may want us to attend school programs. Christmas break will be starting soon for kids who are in college. So we all have a lot of things on our plate that require us to expend more energy. And if we've been working to connect with the energies of the world around us naturally, as it were, we're deep in the dark where it's more introspective and not an external energy at all. So getting a good night's sleep at this time can be even more important than the rest of the time. And let's be frank, most of us do not get nearly enough sleep as we should to be healthy. So one of the things that you can do is you can actually use your intent to get a good night's sleep. I will often take a moment to light a tea light before going to bed and sit there and breathe and remind myself that I have done everything I can for today. In fact, I say it out loud. I've done all I can do for today. Everything else will have to wait for tomorrow. And then I set my intent and I say out loud, I am going to get a good night's sleep and awake refreshed and ready to handle whatever I have to handle in the morning. I sit with the candle burning for a few minutes and take a few deep breaths to still and center myself. I think about the fact that of my secret three, my body needs rest, my mind needs rest, and my spirit sure could use a break. So at that point, I blow out that candle and I climb into bed and I turn off the lights and great blacks and get, try to get a good night's sleep. And one thing I have also added that has nothing to do with intent, but is an also, also a hint, turn off the electronics at least an hour before the bedtime, before bedtime. Don't be buried on your computer. Don't be on your tablet or phone endlessly scrolling through social media or taking care of those last few emails. Just shut it down. Our brain is connected to these systems in terms of the light. And our brain thinks, okay, it's time to be awake. 
and it isn't. It's time to rest and relax. And if you get the chance, try going to bed a few minutes early for a change, just allowing yourself those few extra minutes to unwind. You might actually fall asleep at the time you wanted to in the first place. So tonight, try setting your intent for a good night's sleep. Well, it looks like the coffee cups are empty for this week. We hope you join us again next Tuesday. But you can find us at our website, twoyoungcrones.com. That's the number two, Young Crones. We'd love to have you join our growing online Discord community. Check out our new Patreon presence. Just look for Young Crones Cafe. Through Patreon, you'll be able to make it to our Discord. We are also Young Crones Cafe on Twitter and Facebook. Until then, remember, we are witches who work with energies to affect change. We are believers in both imminent and transcendent divine. We are celebrants of the passage of the solar and lunar cycles. We are hedge walkers who pass back and forth between the worlds of the magical and the mundane. We are seekers of knowledge. And we are walkers of a spiritual tradition we call the path. So mote it be. So mote it be.